It's really interesting to read a book that if you're someone who like you have some regrets, but you don't know how to like focus and channel that this book is just really great at giving you different types of regrets and systems to how to look at it so that you're more prepared later. Welcome to the Slow and Fast Podcast, where we slow down and break down ideas and techniques to help speed up your creative journey. I'm Stephen Ward, and I'm joined by my fantastic co-host, John Masiel. How you doing, John? Doing well. Doing well. It is, at the time of this airing or recording, today is Wakanda Forever Day, so I'm pretty stoked to be doing these podcasts, talk about some cool stuff, and later on in the evening, go see a movie I have been waiting to see for i think the world's been waiting to see for like a minute so yeah pretty good how about yourself fantastic heavily caffeinated so i might be talking a little faster than normal but uh feeling great nice 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 well today's episode is part three in this little mini part series that we're doing on some books from the author daniel pink Mm -hmm. and the book today I know is one that Stephen was really excited to talk about. So I'm actually going to let you start the conversation with it. So the book is The Power of Regret, uh, How Looking Backward Moves Us Forward. Um, it's a really fascinating book because I think it challenges a lot of notions that people have about regret just in general. It goes through the the, the mechanics of regret in general and then shows us how to really use it to our benefit moving forward into the future. Um, I mean, if you want, we could just dive right into the mechanics first and then move from there. Yeah, like, let's just get into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, in the introductory kind of uh, chapters, I think the, like, it's good to kind of break down the mechanism of regret. You know, the mechanism of regret is that, you know, human beings have the ability to essentially time travel, You know, we go Mm -hmm. backward in time to a pivotal moment where we made or didn't make a decision. And then we imagine where our life could have gone from there and then compare and contrast where we're at today with this imagined alternate version of of reality. Um, Mm -hmm. From there, you can you can kind of say either um, at least or if only. So like from there, like, you know, you have that, that mechanism of regret, whether you didn't make the decision, you did make the decision. Um, he actually goes into a study that was conducted where people were shown pictures of uh, competitive runners after placing first, second, and third. And they were, the participants were asked to rate the happiness, how happy the person was to be in first, second, or third place. They weren't told which place that the person had actually made it. Um, And consistently across the board, one would think that you know, at the outset, the the assumption is first place would always obviously be like the nines and the tens, the happiest ranked. Second place Mm -hmm. would be the second happiest. Third place would actually be the third, yeah, would be the third happiest, right? Um, But that actually isn't true. Consistently across the board, participants would rank rank the happiness. Uh, First place would be the happiest. Third place would be the second happiest. Second place would be the least happy. And it actually has to do with 
the types of regret that the competitors would put themselves under because they found that the second place uh, second place winners would have a certain type of regret and if only regret. If only I had put some extra effort in in that final mile. In, in that final mile. mile sorry. Uh, <laughs> if only I had had a better start. If only I'd gotten more rest. If only I had done X, I would have gotten Y. Whereas third place winners would say at least. At least I placed. At least I didn't come in fourth at least i'm in I'm, I'm actually at the podium what was interesting for me about that the if only and at least part is so when steven read the book he 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 read it first and he messaged me he's like it's one of the best books i've ever read i love it i was like sick like i already love daniel peak's work um i got the book and i read it and it's a great book but it was really interesting to me because i was like huh, it's really interesting um where how this book can affect someone who uh, kind of has an awareness of the regret. And it was interesting to me because like I had learned some of these, the, the if only at least principle, I learned that on my own. I didn't call it that, but I had learned that lesson on my own back in like 2017-ish. And that's when I finally decided like pursue audio because I, I was constantly living in the mindset of if only I could do music full time, if only I could record bands. And even when I was recording an artist, I'd be like, if only I had a bigger artist, I could pay me more. If only I was making more money for doing this, if only, and it's like, it, it wasn't the, if only, but my, my self-talk and everything was completely different. And while trying to pursue a dream, I was already kind of bowing out of that dream because to me, it wasn't meaning what I wanted to have happen. Now, the counter to that was in 2017 when I was like, well, instead of looking at everything as uh, like a finite end, or if you don't achieve the result right now, then you're a failure. Start looking at things that more of like, well, at least I tried, at least I'm giving a shot, at least I'm better today than I was yesterday. At least I'm pursuing music. At least I didn't give up like so many people do because they didn't get the results they wanted in a day. And I think the at least mentality of it kind of plays to like the marathon aspect and the constant, the glass is half full, not half empty. And as a creative, it is so, it, I think creatives by default live in a pessimistic, procrastinative, very negative self-talk type of way. It's just, I think... It's never good enough because what we envision isn't what we are capable of pulling off time and time again. It's just, there's always something can be fixed, always something can be different. And it's this constant, it, it takes it to a constant state of like regret of, I wish I could do these things, but I'll never be good enough. Or I'll never make that thing a reality because I have whatever circumstance I have to deal with, whether it's talent, time to put into the talent, whether it's resources to have the time to put into it or the financial state to where you can give these projects the care and time that they deserve. You live in a constant state of regret and that regret just eats up at you. And there's two decisions, two things that can happen, two paths. It's, well, I can live with the regret of not trying and just settle and be okay that I didn't try. Or the opposite end, if... You just say, I'm going to, at no matter what cost, this is the thing that I'm going to do and I'm going to pursue it and I'm going to figure it out because the the idea of regretting not going all the way is far worse than the regret of trying and giving up. 
And it's a very difficult conversation to have with yourself in an actualization because here's the thing. Everyone is talented. I feel like everyone has a talent or something that they're good at. But just because you're talented doesn't mean that is something that can be that the world wants from you. Mm-hmm. As harsh as that is to say, like you might be really good at theater acting, like you were in school plays and stuff and people told you you were great. And, you know, you are good, but to make it on the stages of like actual plays in like Los Angeles and New York and around the world, you can't just be good. You have to be great, phenomenal, like there's just a different caliber and level to talent. And I think having a self-awareness of like, okay, do you want to find out if you have that talent or not? Maybe you do. It's just hidden down deep inside and you got to take a lot of beatings to get there and you got to let the world's like shit on you. But is, is that, is the regret of, well, I didn't give it my all. Is that going to hurt you or is that something you can live with? And that's one principle in the beginning of the book I found really fascinating was the, that the stuff I had figured out, was basically in like two paragraphs <laughs> over like the course of like five years of my life of figuring this stuff out. And I know for a lot of musicians and a lot of producers and mixers, the the first kind of regret past the one I just spoke about is foundational regret, stability, security. And that one is extremely terrifying because if we have to have food, we have to have a place to live. And if you have a significant other they want security. And this is probably one of the most, this, this career is just like any creative field. It's a gamble. You don't know if you're going to make it or not. And I mean, we had, uh, Steven's wife, Courtney on and, you know, Steven knew as a husband, like I have to have the foundations in place. Otherwise I'm going to regret not taking care of my home later on. And, you know, that's something that's, it was really interesting to see that in the book that Daniel Pink was covering the foundational regret because he understood that like, we may not think of it as humans, but it is so crucial. It's not something that can, because when we think regret, I don't know about you, Stephen, but usually when people talk about regret, it's like, oh, I regret not taking that trip to Cancun or I regret not going to the families for Christmas. It's like always, there's like different levels of regret, but when it comes to being a creative I mean, I've missed lots of birthdays. Mm-hmm. I missed lots of birthdays to put my career forward. And I'll tell you what, I don't regret not going to those birthday parties. Cause I knew in that moment I did a lot of soul search. I was like, if I don't finish this project, will I regret not finish this project and not taking my career to the next place? Or will I regret not going to my nieces or nephews birthday? And as terrible as it might sound, I chose the career path. I was like, I, as weird as it is to sound and I, am a hundred percent believer that you need to put your personal needs and desires in front of other people's, because at the end of the day, you need to have a life that you are fulfilled with and happy with, but you have to have the actualization and the, the awareness of the consequences of those actions you are taking for yourself. And if you are a hundred percent okay with the consequences of your actions to fulfill, possibly fulfill yourself in the way you want to be fulfilled, then go for it. But if you have any inclination, like I might have regret not being there for a couple of birthdays, you, you have to make those decisions. I, I, I don't regret them. And when I tell my family, they're not always the most thrilled to hear that answer. It's like, I wouldn't be here where I am today. Had I gone to those birthday parties, I would have lost time. Mm-hmm. I, who knows the scenarios at that point in time, 
But I knew at that moment in time, I was like, I would rather when my nieces and nephews get older and they ask a question like, why weren't you around a lot when I was a kid? But I built something. I'm like, I was building this. And to build this took sacrifice. And when you want to make your dreams and your life happen, there's two paths anyone can take. You can go and fulfill your dream and make shit happen. And, you know, you're going to have to be okay with the consequences of pissing off some family and some other people in your life, but you got to make the reality mm-hmm. or you don't go after your dreams and ambitions and you kind of just are okay with just going through the motions. And to me, that's not living. And one day I, I have a feeling I might have to have this conversation with my nieces and nephews and I'm totally prepared to have it and have it in a way so that they realize like you can have your dream come true too. But what are, what is your level of to- regret tolerance going to be like? Because you have to have it in play. Yeah, I guess like what you're talking about is when you have your priorities straight, your values straight, because if you're going against your values, then you're going to end up with regrets. Like if you really want to spend time with your family, make sure you spend time with your family. If your career is your priority, you know, ensure that your, you know, if you say that your career is a priority, but also spending time with your family is a priority, like you have to be able to juggle and balance those two. You know, it's those imbalances like the you know, connection regrets. Like if you're not spending time with your family, you're going to have those connection regrets, you know, but then again, like if you sacrifice your foundational stability, your, your income for, you know, other things, then you're going to end up regretting that as well. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, the book also covers like the regret of missed opportunities. And I think being a creative the first thing we're taught is to jump on every opportunity, right? And right. to take advantage of everything because you don't want to have the missed opportunity. But then when you have those shitty artists, clients, situations, whatever it may be, then you regret saying yes. Mm-hmm. And you learn to gauge on what things you should say no and yes to. And for me, you know, in the beginning of my career, I, I would say yes to everything because mm-hmm. that was like the motto is like, just say yes to everything. And now looking back, I'm like, man, that actually set me back and I regret saying yes to all that. But now, and it's a principle this time in the book, I am so glad that I, I went through that in the moment, hated it years later, still regret it. Now I still regret it, but I look at that regret totally differently. And it was interesting to read in the book too, because the power of missed opportunities or the power of regret former opportunities really helps guide you later on in making decisions. So like, my career last year, I was in a very different place and I've talked about it several times. Like on paper, it was a great, it was a great gig. Like there was nothing wrong with it. And a lot of people would dream to be in my position, mm-hmm. but I started noticing like I was missing more and more opportunities and I had been through enough of my life that I knew that these opportunities were ones that one, I'm getting older and I'm not going to have the, the stamina, the patience and the endurance to mentally want to go through a lot of, a lot of things. So I was like, the longer I stay here, the more I'm taken away from myself is how I thought of it. And I'm going to, I'm going to regret not taking another bet on myself. And I didn't quite know exactly what the bet was, but I knew I was like, I'm going to miss not taking this opportunity of moving in a different direction. Once I made the decision, then it was like, I had to, like write down a list of like, okay, what are do's and don'ts of what I'm doing moving forward? Because 
if they're not on the do's, I am not taking a chance on the don'ts because I already know that those will be regrets that I have later, later on by not having focus and tunnel vision for the next several years. Mm -hmm. And I would regret, you know, make, there's no exceptions to those because I would regret in the future being like, I should have not done that. It's mm -hmm. like as a mixing engineer, you're told to just get whatever work you can and work for free, right? Because any experience is good experience. <clears throat> Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> And what, what usually happens is you don't, you're not getting paid enough and then you regret taking that job because the clients and artists and bands who don't pay you your rate and nagle you to get down to like a hundred dollars to do mix and master the song, mm -hmm. they have the most mix notes. They have the most opinions. Then they want to re-record stuff because they don't like how it's sounding and they can't even play their own parts. And then before you know it, you're like, I hate this project. I regret saying yes to this for the money and for the experience. I should have asked more questions, but so many engineers have to like do that a hundred times before they get to this, uh, the place where they're like, Oh yeah, no, I'm not gonna, I will regret this project. So I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, Courtney and I were just talking about something like this, where you know she's she she wants to be a copywriter. She's that's kind of her trajectory right now, and she's looking around at all these people, and they're they're giving her this like really bleak outlook. Like it's like oh you're you know you're gonna have to write this thing fifty different ways, and you're gonna you know have one that you prefer, but your client's gonna go for the other one, and it's just soul crushing. And and we were just talking about it. it's like okay, well. Like those are not the clients that you want in the first place, you know, and you're mm -hmm. also like these people are obviously kind of regretting the clientele that they take on as well, maybe even their career path. And, yeah, you know, I just said, well, like, OK, well, why work for those people then? Why not just create some fake accounts, you know, uh, or fake clients, write some copy for these fake clients, put them in your portfolio like and then, you know, Take the opportunity to create something that you're proud of. That way you end up getting those higher end clients because you have a stunning portfolio of your good work rather than, mm -hmm. you know, taking on, you know, having that fear of missing out and taking on the shitty clients. Because, you know, as we've said on the podcast, like you can't turn a $50 client into a $500 client. Yeah, it's just not going to happen. And mm -hmm. anyone listening, we've talked about this on other podcasts, but as an audio engineer, as a producer, as a mix engineer, if you want to be producing bands like Bring Me the Horizon, you should be writing songs on your own or with friends that sound like Bring Me the Horizon. And they don't have to be like four minute songs. Like you can literally do an intro, verse, chorus, 60 uh, seconds. Like outro, yeah, like, and then make it sound like a fade out. Like there was more to the song, but really there wasn't. Mm -hmm. Like so many creatives and if you're a photographer make fake business portfolios like i know plenty of friends who do this on like the design end it's like very common practice even for videographers create fake clients fake testimonials it's kind of like you have to fake it till you make it but if by faking it it opens the door to a, a someone actually giving you money and saying yes at your price point because your portfolio shows you're worth it you're not going to have the regret of having nothing and taking anything for something and then regretting that something because it's not going to be what you want in your portfolio anyway. Mm -hmm. And you're going to regret having spent the time to work on this project that you didn't make enough for, but you don't, you don't even want your name attached to it by the end of it. You're just like, nah, like mm -hmm. y'all can drop my name and just say like you had your belly do it or something like, I don't want anyone associated uh, to know I was associated with this project. Oh yeah. And to spend that much time on something is like really, really heartbreaking. Like I've done it. And it's, it's, 
it's really interesting to read a book that kind of, if you're someone who is kind of like you have some regrets, but you don't know how to like focus and channel that this book is just really great at giving you different types of regrets and systems to how to look at it so that you're more prepared later. So when I read the book, I was kind of like already past this part of my journey. I'm sure I'll go back to it next year just as a refresher, but I've had many talks with myself this year because I mean, building a YouTube channel, two podcasts, newsletters, like there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. And some might say like, you're doing a lot at once. And I'm like, well, I would regret next year by not building the foundations this year, because by st- starting slow now, next year, when it ramps up, it's going to be in a much better place than if I just like take my, take too much time. I believe you should take your time on things, but I also think there's a difference between taking, taking your sweet time, procrastinating, and then and wanting it to be ideal and just actually being like, I'll just figure it out as I go. And I think embracing that will help mitigate any type of regret you might have because I, to this day, regret that in 2020 during the pandemic, I wasn't making YouTube videos of some kind. Mm-hmm. I regret that I wasn't doing more short form content. I regret that I didn't start a podcast because looking back now, I'm like, damn, I'm two years out, about to be three years out. Imagine how much content I would have done and had, but also I don't let that overpower. I don't let that regret get to me too much because I know there were things I needed to learn in those two years that I, I aggressively learned that have made my progress this year exponentially much faster and better than if I would have started from zero and got here. And I almost feel like when I look at those times and I'm like, Oh, I wish I would just start sooner. I have to remind myself, you don't, you didn't know half of the shit, you know, now two years ago, when it comes to like building a business, how things run in the back end systems, like you learned that on the job working for other companies and seeing how they did shit, working, uh, working with other sponsors. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like I need to give myself grace and realize that. And like Steven came on board over at Plugin Alley recently to be a, a, a producer and help me edit some videos. And I had to pull myself to the side because he sent me an edit and it was already so much better than what I had been trying to do in the past year. And I was like, so irritated about it. I was <laughs> fuming and it's not like an ego thing. It's just like, I know when I'm capable of something, but I just don't have, I'm not, I'm just not there yet. And seeing him being able to do these edits and knock it out I, and watching his workflow, I was like, so annoyed. But then I had to remember you just started editing videos, John, in February. You've never edited videos like this. Steven has like five years on top of you. Yeah, if not more. Like, I, I've been doing, I've been doing editing, like video game editing. I think the video video game editing was the first thing that I started to do, and that mm-hmm. was like I don't know, maybe even as far back as like eight, ten years ago. So like I've always had an eye for how things come together, and I also yeah. have a mind that's really keen on figuring out how to structure things so that way it plays out how I want it to see on the uh, on the screen. Yeah. So instead of regretting not being able to be like, oh, my edits are better than Steven, I was like, you know what? I I I at least know what the direction I want the videos to go in. So instead of regretting not having the technical skill set like Steven does, I would have regretted not bringing Steven on board. 
mm-hmm. is how I viewed it. So I was like, instead of viewing it as like, I don't want to say competition because I didn't feel competitive. But I just felt like irritated that I wasn't that good yet. And I could see someone else doing that. I'm looking at their edits and I'm like, oh, that's how you do that thing. Oh, that's how you, oh, mother effort. <laughs> but it wasn't like I regret bringing Steven on. It was like, I regret not bringing Steven on sooner because yeah. in the trajectory of the videos could have been so much better fast uh, sooner. And now we're working on it. But the regret is now, man, I wish I would have brought Steven on sooner. But I think we both needed to go kind of like, it was a natural progression to where this con- the conversation have with Steven coming to Plugin Alley for some time to help out. Whereas at the beginning of the year, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I didn't know the direction of the channel. Now I have a very clear vision of where I want the channel to go. So it's very easy. Same thing with this podcast. We started... We started because it was at the point of like, if we don't do this, we're going to regret not doing this. When is the right time? Like, yeah. who yeah. knows? It was one of those things where it's like, if we didn't start this podcast, either Steven was going to have to go find like a, like a 50 hour job somewhere, not have time to do this podcast. And then I would be so consumed with the YouTube channel that it would just kind of go its separate ways. And that would have been a huge regret later on down the line for both of us. When we meet up in person, we're talking about like, man, we should have got this podcast going. But instead we were like, the regret of possibly missing out on this opportunity is too too dire. We don't know what we're doing. Let's just do it and we'll figure it out. As we're like, let's just do it like we've done everything else in our lives. Let's just figure it out as we go. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the name of the game. And now it's like we have systems in place. We kind of know when to schedule things. We have goals in mind for next year. And our own and, and I guess like the regret now would be us not being consistent and growing this thing to what we know this podcast is capable of doing to help serve the creative, the creative audiences we want to touch. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Was there anything in this book that challenged your, your preconceptions on regret? Yeah. Um, but what I want to do is throw the re- reverse Uno card at you and let you go first. <laughs> uh, I think, I think for me it was, it was how to deal with regret. Um, I, I lived a long time with the the no regrets uh, mantra, like, oh, I don't want to live a life without regrets, you know. And and mm-hmm. I understood that to be live your life in a way that means you you not that you avoid regrets, but you live your life, you know, being uh, uh, consistent to your values and your priorities, so that way you don't encounter regret. Right. Yeah. That that's the way that I always interpreted that no regrets kind of kind of mantra. And I realized l- much later on it's like you're going to run into it. Like uh, there's so much over the past 2 years that I regret doing or not doing. Mm-hmm. You know, um I regret not vetting my decision to move to Finland. I regret selling off or giving away all of my stuff to make that move. Um uh, a more permanent one because at the time I was thinking like, oh, we're just going to move to Finland. We're just going to live there and we're just going to build a life there. You know, so I, I, I lost a lot of things, a lot of memorabilia, a lot of like personal effects, my vehicle, some instruments. Um, and then, you know, we went to Finland. It didn't work out how I thought it was going to be. We ended up moving back to the States and I realized like in the moment I felt like I was living being consistent to my values, but it wasn't the case because I was just kind of ignoring certain aspects. I wasn't thinking a lot of these decisions through because I thought, no, you know what? I'm just going to live how I feel like I'm, I'm supposed to live. I'm going to you know, make these decisions and you know, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out. 
everything's yeah. gonna be fine. Um, no regrets. But yeah, no, I I ended up actually regretting a lot of what I did and didn't do uh, over the last two years. And this book really did give me a framework to work through those things. And it really challenged me to kind of dig those up because I, I, I really did ignore a lot of that when I got mm -hmm. back. I really did just kind of like, well, it is what it is, you know, let's just, just let's just move on, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And that was kind of the wrong attitude to take. It wasn't until I actually started sitting down and using the framework that's in the book to write about uh, these experiences and extract the lesson that was there to be had because, you know, it's like there's, there's another, another kind of cliche thing that is like, it's not a failure if you learn from it. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's really, really was kind of poignant for me to, you know, A, get over the the burnout that I had been experiencing and B, you know, set a framework of, of decisions and guidelines moving forward on decisions I'm going to make for my career and my family as well. Yeah. I, I don't know if it was exactly the same for me only because again we were in, we you and I were both in two different journeys uh, reading this book which I thought was really interesting and why I was excited about this podcast was because when I had spoken to you after it I was like you were stoked on it and I was like yeah like it's a great book but I've kind of already learned these lessons on my own this was just a good validation that I was uh, dealing with them in a healthy manner mm -hmm. is what I mm -hmm. took away from it um because the way I view regret I it's it is human nature and as a creative you're gonna have regrets on a piece of work life business transaction everything relationships it regret is inevitable you're just always going to have some level of regret and learning to have coping mechanisms to understand the regret and move forward is incredible it's so detrimental to how you do anything as a creative and as a human being and i think for most people Reading this book is going to be really helpful in building the tools and the framework, like Stephen said, to dealing with it. For me, when I look at regret, I'm like, oh, yeah, I like I get a little irritated for like a couple of minutes, but it's I love where my life is at and what I'm building. And then I've also been really fortunate with the people I've worked with, um, the opportunities I've been given, where my career and life has gone is, you know pretty when i'm in the moment i don't think what i do is cool like right now doing this podcast doing youtube i don't think of it as cool like that's the best way i can describe it like to me it's just another thing that i'm doing mm. but when i talk to other people about it or people ask me what i do or i'm describing what i'm doing it's not normal to uh, because i am surrounded by creative people all the time this is my normal so striving for these insane goals. It's just, that's my normal state and has been for several years, but to other people create being a creative at this level is not what people do. And I forget that. So I don't talk about it a lot and I don't like get into detail. And that's like, I look back at all the things that I'm fortunate of having and I'm like, I'm happy where everything's at. So I don't really regret too heavily on the past because had I not learned those lessons, I wish I wouldn't have had to learn them, but then I'm grateful that I did because it makes it so much easier for me to make decisions and have tunnel vision and know that what I'm working towards is going to inevitably pay off. And when I can see, I, I there are people less talented than me who are making more money than me and doing things that I want to do. And I just look back and I'm like, 
yeah, that's my fault. Cause like, I'm not per, uh, persevering and I'm not going down this one path that I should be going. And that's the same thing that happened with my mixing and music career. When I was doing that stuff, I was like, I know I'm good enough. I just need a shot. And I finally got the shot. And then I not only proved that I was good enough, but I exceeded all those expectations personally, but I had to learn, I had to like go through those hardships and those regrets to get there. So when I looked at regret, it was more, do I wish those things would have not happened? Yes. But I'm glad they did. Kind of like Stephen, you said you wrote these now and you kind of like processed the lesson. I had to learn the lessons to appreciate what I have now mm-hmm. and to know that I'm going to make mistakes and I'm going to regret certain decisions, but those are going to help guide my compass moving into the future. So instead of preemptively trying to mitigate as much regret as possible. It's more having the understanding that I'm going to do things that I regret, but in those regrets are going to be lessons that allow me to make better decisions in the future. Mm -hmm. I just need to constantly be aware of, you know, what the consequences to certain actions will be. And will I regret, you know, those consequences or are they consequences that I can live with? And those opportunities, are they out? opportunities that I'm going to regret or the opportunities that I'm going to be ecstatic about. So it was just like validation in my mindset. Cause I, I, I really try not to be too hard on myself with things that I, cause like no one knows what the future is unless you're King from the Marvel cinematic universe, I guess, but uh, no one knows exactly where everything's going. So for me, it's like to regret not making the right decision at that moment in time, I didn't know that that's where the decision was going to make me. So I, I'm a little easier on myself. Mm-hmm. Showing yourself some kindness. That's good. Yeah. It's a, uh, I think being a creative, you have to, because you're so used to beating yourself up over creative stuff. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's, that's a regret you could put on the pile. It's a, not being kinder to myself over the past for creative or non-creative decisions, you know? Yeah. So right now thinking about when you read the power of regret, cause I noticed there was a change in you and I'm trying to remember if that, and I don't mean like a terror, like Steven was in a terrible place. Like your motivation was kind of in a plateau or limbo. Mm-hmm. You were like doing things, but it was a very, if it seemed like a placebo effect, like you were just going through the motions is the best way to describe it. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It was just like, it was just, uh, it wasn't the Steven I had known for several years. It was like, there was definitely something there, but I'm trying to remember. Cause I remember there was like a change in a sudden change in your demeanor and your attitude. You were more positive. You were getting like focused, like the old Steven. And I remember telling you, Hey, I don't know what's happened, but like, I've noticed like, you have like drive again. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to remember if that was when you read this book, if you were getting things squared away then I can't remember if it was then. I was definitely around, around that time. Um, I think refocusing and understanding priorities was a big thing. So like what led to my burnout was a, a just, just throwing caution to the wind and putting everything into career. Right. Mm-hmm. And doing it whatever way possible, taking on any clients that would that would throw money my way. And just it wreaked havoc on my life. And I really didn't um uh, protect a lot of my boundaries that I should have throughout that throughout that whole course. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, there, there was a period of time where like, yeah, I, I was just kind of like, I knew I needed to start work. I knew I couldn't like directly heal and gain confidence and competence in my own, in my own sphere without just putting work in. Like, I, I don't know if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like I had where was sh- the confidence uh, bro- broken with, was it like personal financial foundational stability type stuff or was it like creatively yes <laughs> i mean like i mean like you know to to be to be quite honest like a lot of my confidence had kind of waned um even before leaving neural um because i felt like i was just going through the motions with a lot of the the content i was doing there i was trying to find inspiration i was trying to find you know that that drive again because the I mean, like the 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 connection with the community that I had been brought on to serve was already far gone at that point. Like, yep. I I had worked very hard initially to build the community to serve them um, with content that was going to help them realize their artistic visions, and I felt like that had gone away at at a certain point. So I was going through the motions creating this content, and I was working really hard to try and find that again, um, and. You know, there there were certain things that happened that really kind of crushed my uh, confidence that I was actually making good content, that I was succeeding. Because, you know, like, I, th- I think there's also, like, you can go on YouTube and see, like, positive comments, you know, regarding the work that you're doing. And they have just sort of this, like, very, very minimal push on the needle because you don't know the person, you know. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, man, you mix it, mix it sick. And it's like cool thanks you know like i i had just kind of lost all perspective priorities um consideration of the people that were actually watching and enjoying the content i was making so i was like oh, okay cool yeah thanks man appreciate it but it was not enough to really like bolster that drive yeah. um so yeah when i came back to the states i was pretty like pretty crushed in that in that resolve so like i had i had lost the purpose um, and it wasn't until I started actually doing content and putting out some pieces again and, and really, and, and not just to put out the work, but to, to actually try and make connection again. Like that mm-hmm. was, I think the biggest thing is making connection again with people and interacting with human beings on that level and, and, and having people reach out and being like, yo, this was awesome. Like, Hey, you know, could you do like some, some stuff for me? Like, you know, and being approached by people to do client work either remote mixing tone dialing um so i and i've actually had somebody reach out to have me coach him on how to light his videos better so and and which is going really well we've had like two sessions so far and it's it's just like night and day where his lighting was and where it is now are you making notes on that on like what you're teaching them and how and stuff because like that right there actually i forgot there's like tiktok channel that I need to send to you because I was watching this guy and I was like, Steven should be fucking doing this <laughs> tomorrow. Like yeah. he, you could spend two days filming all this short form content and then do exactly what this person did. And he's getting thousands. And I was like, this is, I, 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 I like, I guess like, I'm like, I don't want to say I'm like the fatherly type, but I'm like the friend who's like, if I see something that a, that a friend of mine can do mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I know they can do and I see someone else doing it and I am always like, you should do this. Like, stop overthinking. Just do this thing because yeah. this person's already figured out. Just copy their format. Do it yourself. Uh, 
put the Stephen Ward twist on it, but do this thing. And I do that with Stephen all the time. I send him videos. I'm like, just do this, do this thing. And I, yeah. and, and, you know, I just send it your way. Cause like, I'm like, if I at least give you a blueprint, you can make something happen. Like, yeah, you're not starting from scratch. And I think as creative, so many people, you need to re you need to reignite basically. Yes. And I, and I was like, you could do this, you could do that because it's so easy as a creative to be like, you're starting from scratch. So you feel like you have to rebuild mm -hmm. from scratch. And like you and I were having a conversation recently about, um, we were talking about the, the guitar playthrough you had done mm -hmm. and you had expressed that not disappointment, but like you, you actually, it was a level of disappointment to not seeing that video and other guitar forms that you follow. And it felt like no one was paying attention and that, that connection that you mentioned was lost and it just bothered you that like people that used to follow you and or watch you very closely obviously were no longer watching you so it was like a reality of like i need to do stuff and i just remember like we were talking i was like well how much time did you put in you're like i did this i was like gotta find something else man like you put putting too much time into the guitar playthrough. Let's find something easier to just reignite that spark. So you get to the flow. So then you can do one of those playthroughs once a month, but the base of your, the content you're doing is stuff that you can like, it's not such a heavy load because putting so much time and effort to tracking, writing, lighting, multiple shots, lighting. If you guys haven't watched his bleed from within playthrough, his guitar, it pissed me off. I hate when Steven does videos. <laughs> But like, I saw how much time goes into him making this video. And for, for those results, I was like, I understand as a creative hundred percent where Steven was coming from. Like I empathize with it. I was like, yeah, man, I, I would throw a rage fit. Like what the fuck? Like everyone who used to say that I was like, my guitar, my guitar tones are great and blah, blah, blah. Like, where is everyone now? I would have felt the same way, but then I was like, I hope, and I, I don't think it did. I was like. If this was like Steven from six months ago, that would have been enough to stop you from making content for another month or two because you had been so bummed out. But mm -hmm. now you're you're working and that's the whole thing again is like, sometimes you just need micro wins to get that fire going again, that ignition going, mm -hmm. as a, uh, instead of like doing this grand thing and then being like, oh fuck, it didn't work, so I'm done. And I think as creatives, we always wanna go with the grand thing when it's like, you build towards that. You take time to build towards that. Otherwise what happens? You regret not doing anything in, in the first place. Yeah. Um, to answer your earlier question, yes. I'm actually working on a piece of content right now about uh, lighting angles. And then I have scripts for at least like three more pieces of shorter, pe shorter form con content that's going to be aspects of like composition and uh, lighting angles. So uh, – or angles of like camera angles that are going to accentuate the – lighting basics video so like mm -hmm. I, got, I got i got like a series of videos that are going to come out that are that are going to lead into each other so yes yeah to answer that question yeah um no that 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 uh that playthrough i feel i feel a bit differently now than i did after it dropped i think really like the the kind of malaise that i was in was just like after like i had put i put a lot of effort into that video and i think just, yeah man <laughs> after yeah like after it after it dropped like there was a lot of really positive feedback on it and i was like i was just feeling kind of in a funk but i think it was more so just like i didn't take much time to rest during the production of that video 
And I got that out in about two weeks, which means I was putting in a little overtime. And uh, it was like, okay, I was feeling a bit tired, I think, more mm. than anything else. Um, mm, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like I was feeling in a funk because I had just like put a lot of effort in for like two weeks straight, basically, to get that done. And I, I would say that the reaction to that has, um, like, I, you know, now looking back at it, the reaction has definitely been, I think, very positive again. Like, mm -hmm. it's also get like opening some doors with like people that have been watching it. Cause honestly, I think that it's one of my best lit, best shot best mixed videos I've done so far and having one yeah. that was directly on my page rather than having to refer people to somebody else's page to watch my content, I think is also very important for me. Yeah. It's a, I hate that video because like <laughs> the lighting, every, uh, it, it, there was one shot too that you, uh, that the rotating shot. And when you told me how you did it, I was so pissed. Cause I was like, I was trying to reverse that. I do that now. I, I try to reverse engineer shots that I see. I'm like, okay, how do they do that shot? And I'm like, I find joy in reverse engineering shots and movies and stuff and being like, okay, how do you do that? Cause like eventually I want to do it. Like I have plans. I won't, I'm not going to go into detail. Some of the video ideas that I have for plug in alley for next year, but I've told Steven and to do some of that stuff, it's like reverse engineering these types of shots and things like that. And I was mm -hmm. telling Steven, like, I want, I want to get Steven out here next year to film a couple of videos because the type of filming that is needed, I know that I need Steven there to pull mm -hmm. it off. So mm -hmm. when he goes and makes a guitar playthrough video, I'm just like, well, yeah, I suck. That's it's humbling. But then again, Steven's been doing this way longer than me. So I have to have some, some, some grace about it. Uh, I said some grace, not all grace, but yeah, anyways, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it's like, I'm just, cause at first you were doing the live streaming just to do stuff. Mm -hmm. And now you're like trying to, now you're slowly getting back at the content and I'm just glad to see it because I would hate for you like next year to regret not doing the content now. Is that kind of how you're viewing it too through the scope of like regret of not getting started again with the content part? Yeah, it's, it's definitely, I know, I know I need to get it out sooner rather than later. This, you know, it's, it's the best time to have started would have been, you know, at the beginning of this year, but you know, I didn't because I was still, you know, processing all the burnout and my own emotions mm -hmm. when it came to like making content and everything like that. But, you know, second best time to start is now, right? Like, yeah. and again, talking about like, initially I was going through the motions and creating content because I knew that once I started doing that, that I would then be able to reconnect with the purpose of actually why I was doing it. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. And it, it's just, you know, I think the biggest regret as a, any creative that should haunt everyone is like that regret of inaction. Mm. And then what could have been if only. It's Boldness just such, regret. Yeah. It's just such a, that's such like a scary place to be. And I, I always, when I make, when I make pretty much every decision I make, like major decisions when it comes to like lunch or something, it's never like this dire, 
But I always imagine myself like 80, 90 years old on a porch, wherever I'm at, like I am retired, I'm done, I'm on a porch, I'm like that old guy. And I really try to put my mind in old John's shoes mm -hmm. and ask myself very deeply, will I regret not have done, will I, have, will I regret having done this or not having done this? And really try to think, where do I envision my life going? And what is the right decision based on what I want that future version of me to have in their life and feel fulfilled with? And that, and there's something else I do that's a little bit more morbid as well. Um, I like to, it's gonna sound really weird. I like to imagine everyone's at my funeral and imagine the things that they would say about me and try to make decisions based on, is that the story I want people to know me by, by the decisions I'm making? And not, I don't think about death a lot either. Like I know these are like really die, like death led like ways of thinking of things, but I just think like, I've been to, I've been, uh, you know, unfortunately I've been to several funerals, but I'm, it always fascinates me about the stories people tell about the deceased. And I can't help but like always think like, well, what would my friends say at my funeral? Like, what are the funny, and I'm big on like, I love funny. So I want like, what is a funny story, a funny situation that they w would tell that would bring levity to the funeral and things? And, uh, and what are things that they would say that would inspire other people and my decisions that I make? I make thinking with these things in mind because I don't want to have the regret of not fulfilling my own legacy, essentially. Mm -hmm. And it's not like everyone is a little bit narcissistic, like everyone has a little bit of narcissism in them. And it's not to do it because I want like this praise, but it's like, how, what, what, how do I want to show up in the world and what do I want to leave behind that isn't materialistic? Because I can't take any of this shit with me. So what is my footprint? And that's why like the YouTube thing was so big to me because like it's a visual diary. When my nieces and nephews are old enough to like see what I've built, they're going to be able to go to a YouTube channel and watch the videos of my journey. And they'll be able to go to other channels and see podcasts I'm on. They'll be able to know me from that content and be like, oh, like this is a visual and audaic like life, like picture uh, memory book. Mm -hmm. Like, I know more about my uncle because he was so open and vulnerable about his dreams and desires on all his content across everything. And my friends and everyone else will be like, yeah, that's the version you guys heard. And then this is how it was knowing him personally. Do you ever think like about stuff like that, Stephen? Or Absolutely. am I just weird? No, th mm. this is this is actually a concept that's like pretty, I, I'm not going to say popular, but like I've seen it happen. I've seen it across a lot of like self-help uh, kind of forums and stuff like that. I think um, it's that like, you know, like write your own eulogy, like mm -hmm. figuring out what your legacy is going to be after, after you're gone. Because like you said, you can't bring everything with you you can't bring anything with you all you all it is is just what you leave behind and uh yeah i've i've definitely done that myself uh in the past uh past year and it's uh it's pretty eye-opening yeah it's very easy it it, it it's been so much easier because i wasn't doing it as much the past like five years 
And towards this time last around this time last year, when I turned 35, I just that's why it was so easy for me to make these like it was a hard decision to leave my the last company. I was like it it was not one taken lightly, and most people did not think I would I when I told my friends and family I'm leaving, no one expected it like that soon. Like everyone was like, Oh, we expect you had another five years, but no one expected to me pull the plug. Mm-hmm. And it was just being in certain situations and really asking myself, am I going to regret not taking these opportunities? And, you know, I was proposed with something that just about anyone else would have said yes to, but I saw it as like a ticking, like death note essentially. And being 35, this opportunity in front of me and me realizing like, I would regret taking this opportunity where most people would regret not taking it. I would regret taking it. I knew it a hundred percent. I was like, if I take this deal, I will regret it for the rest of my life because I'm not betting on myself. And that was when I had the realization, I was like, my legacy isn't determined by this, this company anymore. It's gonna be determined by what I build and I know how to do it. And I just gotta like take the leap of faith and go and do it. I knew, I knew this was all gonna be super hard work. Like I was mm-hmm. very aware of how difficult the odds were stacked against me. It wasn't gonna be easy. There was all these things, but I knew that the regret of not doing it myself and building something for the next five years would be greater than, in my opinion, taking the easy way out and saying yes to something I would just, that old version of John would be like, I regret not having ever bet on myself. And some people might have said, well, you could have, you know, t- you could have done that one thing and then five years later do your thing. You have to always be aware of who's presenting opportunities and what the expectations of opportunities are because to, when you don't control something and something's not your baby, your life is dictated by someone else's uh, agenda. Mm-hmm. And I knew that n- by saying yes to that, I would regret not being able to have full control of my life anymore and expectations would be different. So it was a v- very difficult, but also easy decision. But the hard part was coming to the realization of like, damn man, this is like the third time in five years you start over again. You tired yet? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yes. The, the answer is yes. I the am tired. Yes. But, yeah. yeah. But I'm having so much more fun where I'm at now. And I know that's slowly building. And to me, I I am just glad I made a decision and I am where I'm at because I would have regretted not doing this. Uh and if I would still be at the last gig this time this year. I don't, I definitely would not be the same person. I think I'd be way more miserable and I'd probably, people would probably cut me out, cut me out of their lives because I'd just be a miserable person. Mm-hmm. And I'd be insufferable. Yeah, man. I, I definitely do not regret leaving because I, I think, I think at the core of it is the opportunity cost, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, a lot of people on the outside would look at my position and be like, yeah, but you're letting go of all of these these you know additional things and it's like okay yeah sure like i had visibility i had opportunity Mm -hmm. as far as just like meeting and greeting some of like you know the bigger like guitar players out there um and yeah i had i had some some cool opportunities i did some cool stuff but the cost like me staying would have cost me more emotionally and mentally than Mm -hmm. the real opportunities would have would have benefited me you know yeah it's like short-term sacrifice for long-term 
a inimaginable inimaginable gains. Yeah, is like I knew this year was going to be tough, and the following I, I knew the first twenty four months we were going to be we're going to suck. Yes, like I was very aware that I was like the next two because I've done this before in a different capacity, but it takes about two years to get your footing whenever you start something. And then it's very, when you see success stories of like, it did it in nine months. It's like, all right, what's the real story? Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I, I know on average it takes 12 to 24 months for anyone. So when someone's like in six months, I did this or three months, I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> let me see your bank account. Let me see your statements. Like, let's be transparent about this shit mm -hmm. because I've known so many people in the creative industries and everyone says, it's like on average, 18 to 24 months, if you're working and yeah, that's like you're putting in 40 hours, smart 40 hours into IPAs. And the IPAs are not the drink. Um, I said short, I said the short term instead of the long term. Um, IPA <laughs> stands for income producing assets. So when you're a creative and you're getting out there, it's not just getting out there. Also, you have to think, okay, what, what are income producing assets like, like, uh, bundles with like local music shops or food shops or going to farmers markets and offering to do photo work of people's foods so they can put on their website or their Instagrams or whatever. Fuck. That's a good one. I just like, I'm literally coming up with this shit on the top of my head right now. <laughs> um, sometimes I do this and I'm like, fuck, that's a, I should do that. <laughs> um, but like, you know, finding ways people need photography and where people are more likely to build those relationships, introduce you to other farmers and people who do those things. If you're a photographer, for instance, musician going, or if you're a mixer, recording engineer, going to shows, going to coffee shops, anywhere where people play music, trying to find those places and network. Because the power, the power of regret is, again, and it comes down to a simple idea. Will you regret not having done those actions? What's the worst that happens? No, thanks. Okay, yeah. cool. Move on. Like... It's not that it, it's not that bad, but if you do that consec consecutively for, you know, up to two years of just constantly going on and pursuing, constantly prospecting, you're going to win. Like there is no, if you put in that much effort and time, there is no way you're not going to win. And this podcast going into next year, it's going to be, we have a, a pretty set filming schedule where Steven's wife, Courtney is coming on to help with some things on the back end, And. I've kind of given everyone kind of a glimpse, not that Steven doesn't have any say, but like when it comes to like business strategy, I'm kind of the one that gets together and then I show Steven and he's like, yep, no, or here are my concerns. Let's change this, let's change that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we, we modify it. But the proposal that I've kind of given for next year, I'm like, there's no way we're in a different, we're not in a different place next year. If we just go through these motions of doing these things that aren't going to be necessarily fun. But if we do it, we'll be able to be so much further ahead than most other people because I already know that this is work most people don't want to do. But if we just do it, eventually we can bring on people to do this work that we don't want to do and delegate it. But if we do this, if we build it now, it's gonna, we're going to be in a much better place faster. And that's those are lessons you only learn by not doing it in the past and regretting not taking those actions sooner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, that yeah, that's all I have to say about the power of regret. Pick up the book from Daniel Pink. It's great. We'll have a link to it in the show notes. It is affiliate. So if you do buy any of the books in our episodes in the description, just so you know, and we're transparent, it is an affiliate link. We get a little kickback that helps support the show. So Steve and I continue having conversations and reading books and bringing it to you in a, in a way that is digestible and fun and helps you on your creative journey. Indeed. That's a good place to wrap up. So yeah. 
If you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone you know who would also find some value in this episode. If you'd like to continue with this discussion with John and I, you can find a link to our show's Discord server in the description of this episode wherever you are listening. If you want even more motivation to help your creative goals come to life, we have started up our, our Ramp Up newsletter. If you'd like to sign up, you can find a link in the description of this episode wherever you're listening. Thank you for listening. And until next time, remember, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Later. Later. Later.